the problem with homelessness in general is it touches everyone. Unfortunately, the challenges for young people who are also homeless is that they are the unseen. They are the disregarded. And in general, I believe that the majority of people actually believe that in order to be homeless, you've done something wrong. And that is so not the case. That's far from the truth. In most instances, young people who are dealing with homelessness are dealing with it because of the failures of their parenting system, whether there's you know mental health issues or alcoholism and drug abuse. Any of those things are putting young people at risk. And so they either make the decision to walk away from that unhealthy environment and plunge themselves into maybe a more unhealthy environment, but one on their terms. The other scenario around homelessness is foster care. Again, young people who have been removed from their homes, largely through no fault of their own, are thrust into systems that sometimes at age 18 and then absolutely finally at age 21, they are sent out into the world with literally a garbage bag of their things. And I feel like when I was a young person, I had a a great home, but I didn't have a whole lot of life experience. And today, young people have so much more life experience without the stabilizing factor of mentoring, of role models, of organizations and institutions that they feel are part of their nuclear family, that they are making so many decisions without any foundation for having made those decisions. You will see young people who may steal because they're hungry. I'm not saying that stealing is ever okay, but when you are in desperation and you're a young person, you will take chances that most people might not take. It is all consuming the idea of having to live moment to moment, looking over your shoulder, Is somebody coming for you? Where can you sleep? Can you sleep safely? I could talk all day long on this subject. It is one of the most horrifying circumstances and it's so inhumane. I'm your host, Michelle King, joined by Kelly Thompson and you're listening to The Fix, a podcast that shares the stories of remarkable people who are innovating, and taking action to advance equality in the workplace and beyond. The other day, my six-year-old son Rex was grocery shopping with me. And as we left the store, Rex spotted a homeless woman begging for money. Without asking, he took my grocery bag and gave it to the woman. I was really shocked. It made me teary. We went back to the grocery store and we had to do the whole shop again. And as we're shopping, Rex turns to me and says, Mommy, why do you think it is that that lady doesn't have a home? I didn't know what to say. And as we walked back to the car with the second set of groceries, Rex spotted another homeless person and decided that I had to hand the groceries over again. So we went home with no groceries. And that was the point, really. Homelessness is everywhere. It's an issue that could affect all of us. You're a lot closer to being homeless than you might realize. In fact, 
it's more likely that you could end up homeless than it is you could end up being a billionaire. We don't like to think about it, but it's true. Anyone can become homeless. Setting aside structural factors and systemic failures, there are many reasons you could become homeless. You know, when Michelle first told me about that wonderful thing that her son did at the supermarket, right away it reminded me of something that my daughter did when she was about the same age. She took it upon herself to empty out her money box completely of all of its change, wrap up all those coins in paper and a lot of sellotape because she was really into sellotape and then give it to a homeless man who we often would see in the town where we live. And it completely floored me. I think as adults, if we've never experienced homelessness, it can be really tempting, can't it, to turn away and to not engage with the humanity of the situation. Sometimes it's just too upsetting and we feel guilty or even, let's be honest, embarrassed about our own comparative security. But I think looking at homelessness through the eyes of a child can be a really good reminder of the importance of engaging with this empathetically. And also a reminder that homelessness isn't necessarily as far away as we might like to think. There's an interesting piece written by the not-for-profit organisation Invisible People that looks at some of the most common individual causes of homelessness, quite apart from the structural reasons that Michelle mentioned. So eviction or foreclosure is a real risk for many people as housing prices rise and lots of people can end up suddenly priced out of an apartment they might have rented for years. The end of a relationship can be another factor, especially for anyone who's dependent on their partner or a family member for their housing. Escaping domestic violence is also a huge cause of homelessness, particularly for women, young people and families. In 2014, there was a survey of 25 cities in the USA and it showed that 15% of all homeless adults were survivors of domestic violence. And the challenges for these people are often compounded as survivors because they're often cut off from their support networks and their finances at that vulnerable time. And coming out as a member of the LGBTQIA plus community can be another risk factor, particularly for homeless youth. As invisible people put it, many young people who come out to their families as gay, bi, trans or any label that doesn't fit in with their family's values may find themselves kicked out of their homes. Or any range of health issues, particularly in America, where an injury or illness or other medical event can quickly eat through savings. Your health can cost you your job and eventually your home. And then let's not forget all the mental health challenges that can sometimes be a contributing factor as well as addictions, which often lead to homelessness as addiction takes over people's lives. Often though, it isn't just one thing. Most people become homeless because a lot of these challenges play out at the same time, creating an impossible situation. But most people don't want to hear all the reasons they might become homeless because we don't want to believe that it could be true for us. Out of sight, out of mind. And that's why states like Texas in recent months have put a new law in place that criminalizes public camping, aka homelessness. And the law bans cities from adopting policies that prohibit or discourage the enforcement of any public camping ban. People who don't comply with the law can be ticketed, arrested, and fined up to $500. Arresting, fining, and punishing people for being homeless does nothing to address homelessness. It can be really difficult to get a handle on the scale of the homelessness problem. You'll see wildly varying estimates, and the data available is always subject to limitations. But let's look at some examples. According to the National Centre for Homeless Education, in the 2019-2020 to 2020 school year, 
more than 1.27 million public school students across the US experienced homelessness. Meanwhile, the US Department of Housing and Urban Development's most recent survey counted over 580,000 unhoused people on one single night in January 2020. But this number is thought to be an underestimate. And of course, those stats I just mentioned don't yet measure the impact of the pandemic, but we already know that homelessness has increased during that period. In the UK, the charity Shelter says that the economic crisis caused by COVID-19 risks turbocharging the existing homelessness crisis. Their analysis suggests that the number of people in the UK in temporary accommodation jumped by 6,000 in the first three months of the pandemic. But they also think that number's an underestimate because many people who are sofa surfing or sleeping rough will be undocumented by the authorities and so they're not accounted for in those statistics. The same worries are shared in the US where the Economic Roundtable predicts that homelessness could increase 49% over the next four years and they say that without large-scale government employment programmes, the pandemic recession is projected to cause twice as much homelessness as the 2008 recession did before it. On today's podcast, we're joined by community activist Regina Jackson to share insights from her work as president and CEO of the East Oakland Youth Development Centre. For the past 27 years, Regina has provided services and support for homeless youth in the city of Oakland through housing, job training and life skill development opportunities. On this episode, she'll share why homelessness is an issue for all of us. The problem with homelessness in general is it touches everyone. Unfortunately, the challenges for young people who are also homeless is that they are the unseen. They are the disregarded. And in general, I believe that the majority of people actually believe that in order to be homeless, you've done something wrong. And that is so not the case. That's far from the truth. In most instances, young people who are dealing with homelessness are dealing with it because of the failures of their parenting system, whether there's, you know, mental health issues or alcoholism and drug abuse. Any of those things are putting young people at risk. And so they either make the decision to walk away from that unhealthy environment and plunge themselves into maybe a more unhealthy environment, but one on their terms. The other scenario around homelessness is foster care. Again, young people who have been removed from their homes, largely through no fault of their own, are thrust into systems that sometimes at age 18 and then absolutely finally at age 21, they are sent out into the world with literally a garbage bag of their things. And I feel like when I was a young person, I had a a great home, but I didn't have a whole lot of life experience. And today, young people have so much more life experience without the stabilizing factor of mentoring, of role models, of organizations and institutions that they feel are part of their nuclear family, that they are making so many decisions without any foundation for having made those decisions. You will see young people who may steal because they're hungry. I'm not saying that stealing is ever okay. But when you are in desperation and you're a young person, you will take chances that most people might not take. It is all-consuming. 
the idea of having to live moment to moment, looking over your shoulder. Is somebody coming for you? Where can you sleep? Can you sleep safely? One of the major challenges with getting people to take action against homelessness is the empathy gap. When we use terms like bum or drunk, we draw a dividing line between us and them. Makes it really hard to see another person's lived experience. So we believe that I work hard, I'm able to have stable housing. So naturally, it would be easy for me to assume that the equation is just that simple. If I didn't have stable housing, it must be because I didn't work hard enough or I simply made some poor choices. But what we forget is that the choices that feel easy for some of us to make are actually incredibly difficult for others. Understanding the context someone is experiencing by being curious about their story is how we come to bridge the empathy gap. Homelessness has been demonized, not unlike mental health. It's as if somebody did something wrong to end up there. And that is so far from the truth. But because homeless people tend to have dirty clothing, tend to look unkempt, tend to maybe even speak in expletives that are very toxic, people don't want to rush to embrace. One of the extraordinary organizations that just came about a few years ago in Oakland is called the East Oakland Collective. That was not their primary role, but when they realized that homelessness was such a big issue in Oakland, they transitioned and they focused on just providing resources, whether that's food, clothing, transition to housing, and the outstanding way that they covered it actually helped people that were going through these challenges be more humanized, tell their story. I have kind of self-proclaimed myself a compassion ambassador because it is so critical in every way that we look at people. But when we talk about folks and their lack of compassion, their lack of emotional intelligence, it has everything to do with fear, ignorance, judgment, and selfishness. When I look at people not wanting to engage with folks, I'm not saying that Every time I drive past somebody with a sign up that says I'm homeless, I'm a vet, I need food. But I have heard too many times people shouting at them, go get a job. And that's a judgment. And it is lacking any sort of context for understanding their circumstance. And while, yes, there are probably some people out there that are taking it and using it to make money. I mean, I don't know how much money you sit there and make when you're, you know, sitting on the ground holding your child or at a specific spot every day, almost like it's a job. But the challenge is that people don't take the time to recognize. One of the things that happened post-George Floyd, particularly because we were in a pandemic, is that atrocious act was seen. And it was seen by people who couldn't unsee it again. But it was also seen by people who have never opened their eyes to such inequity around police treatment of African-American males. Now, I'm not trying to redirect the conversation, but what I am saying is that the United States has more money. I mean, it could solve the poverty issue, but we are also the most selfish country, and we decide what we're going to see and what we're not going to see. Homelessness in Oakland is ground zero. The gentrification. Folks are just losing all sense of housing security, and they are having to flee. We are now beginning to build 
but we're not building for the least of these. And I don't know that any state is doing that with an eye view toward the most under-resourced because we tend not to see them. And we tend not to see young people in general. So when we hear about a population of homeless youth, they are already unseen as young people. And then I think it hurts too much to actually look at them and try to think about how did they get here? Because then you actually have to care. Homelessness doesn't affect everyone in the same way. According to the National Law Centre on Homelessness and Poverty, unhoused people of colour are more likely to be cited, searched and have property taken than similarly situated white people. And people with multiple marginalised identities like LGBTQ plus people of colour are even more vulnerable both to the homelessness in the first place and to the laws that then criminalise this homelessness. According to Inside Housing, a Joseph Rowntree Foundation briefing last year found that people of colour in the UK disproportionately lack access to secure, good quality and affordable homes. These disparities are driven by labour market inequalities, immigration policy and the design of the social security system, as well as wider discrimination. One stark consequence of these sorts of factors is this. Although black people make up around 12 to 14 percent of the US population, they account for 39% of people experiencing homelessness. And it's a similar picture in the UK, where research suggests that one in 23 black households become homeless or are threatened with homelessness, versus one in 83 households from all other ethnicities combined. When we look at the experiences of young homeless people in the LGBTQIA community, many of whom are also people of colour, the main driver for becoming homeless is familial rejection and abuse when coming out or being outed. The charity ACT found in its research that when LGBTQ plus young people do seek help, they'll often encounter discrimination and more than half have faced some form of discrimination or harassment when accessing a service while homeless. Here Regina shares more on the challenges that young people face. When we think about ourselves and whether or not we are living paycheck to paycheck or whether we know someone who had a health circumstance that drained their bank accounts or whether we have a child that is suffering from mental health issues who may be exhibiting more risky behavior. How broken are we or how fearful are we that that circumstance is like a banana peel away from homelessness? Particularly in the pandemic, there has been no support. I mean, $600 a year for people People need food. And so when we talk about folks at risk of falling into homelessness, there are so many more folks than we are even looking to. But it's the internal interpretation. People are feeling unsafe. And in many instances, they have no way to think about a plan because they're so busy just trying to deal with day to day. What is financial stability? What is housing security? What is job security? We're in the middle of the great resignation. Where are these people going when they're resigning? I come from a world where you took a job and you kind of nested, you know, this concept of bouncing from job to job. To me, I can't even understand it. But let's think about young people. They have very few skills, very little education. What are they able to compete for? I have young people who are in college in Atlanta 
who are making $7 an hour. That's the minimum wage there. How do you live on $7 an hour? And then here in Oakland, it just became $15 an hour, but that can't buy you anything. I mean, a $3,000 month rent. People are looking to rent rooms. And even the nearby hotel, which I went to visit one of my foster kids because I'm trying to help her transition to a place to live because she's 21 and they sent her off with a voucher and that's about it. She was living in a $100 a night hotel room. Who's got that kind of money? We have a series of challenges with folks who don't know how to manage, how to navigate. And if they have had the benefit of coming to a youth center like ours, they've made some connections, they've developed some skills, and they have learned how to do what most people don't know how, and that's to ask for help. An Atlantic article called How Can the U.S. End Homelessness states that on any given night in the United States, half a million people are homeless. Some of them sleep in shelters, others on the streets, roughly one quarter are children. About 15% are so-called chronically homeless, which means they haven't had a permanent home in years and often cycle through jails, hospitals and homeless shelters in search of a place to lay their heads. While there are many possible solutions like public policy interventions and prevention strategies like education, all of which matter, the bottom line is that homelessness is hugely driven by a shortage of low-income housing. For example, a Slate article examining this issue states that only 1% of families who exit the shelter system in New York City into subsidised housing are back within a year. The authors point out that not only is the large number of people living on the street a moral disgrace, it's a problem we know how to solve. They say homelessness is a housing problem and getting people housing takes money. But getting public support for governments to fund housing projects requires one important thing. We need to bridge the empathy gap, which all of us can work towards doing individually. Like Michelle's son and my daughter, it starts with asking why is it that someone doesn't have a home? And in hearing their story, realizing that this could be you or someone you know, if life played out just a little differently. Thank you for tuning into our episode today. If you're interested in partnering with us or being a guest on the show, then please reach out through our website, thefixpodcast.org. You can also sign up to our monthly newsletter and contribute your stories there. Thanks again for tuning in and I'll catch you all again next week.